Last week, for those of you that may not have been here, I preached on uh, a passage earlier in uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 7 that talked about one of the other challenges in the early church because, because, you see, most of the letters that Paul wrote to both churches in Corinth, Rome, to Galatia, they were, most of the letters were written because there were problems in the early church or to Philemon because there were problems with individuals. Because as the church began to expand out into the world, it encountered growing pains. It encountered the challenge of going from being primarily in Judea and Israel out into a broader context. It encountered being primarily a Jewish Christian situation out into a Gentile world, the broader world. And so as it hit these different layers and different communities and different places and different situations, and as it expanded and encountered different philosophies and cultures and ways of life, there were problems. It's not a surprise. But some of the illustrations and arguments that Paul uses when he discusses these challenges and problems are sometimes lost on us. For example, last week I talked about the challenge that came up with circumcision. And that's usually not a topic for discussion today. It's not something we wrestle over in the church, outside the church. It's not something people talk about very often. And today, food sacrifice to idols. I know this is something that's a hot topic with you. You know, it's interesting because when you read a passage like this, what happens to most people is their eyes glaze over, their ears just stop up, their mind shuts down. They don't care. What is that about? It doesn't apply to today. Well, you know, the interesting thing is, even though the illustration is lost on us, the application still works for today. And that's what we sometimes have to do a little bit of translation in order to understand what Paul is saying in order to apply it to our lives because it really does have some meaning. In fact, let me draw a parallel passage that Jesus says that helps maybe apply this to us. And it comes from Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. Jesus says, If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. In other words, if someone is young, if someone is very impressionable, if someone is a new believer, if someone is a child growing up in your home, and you are a poor witness because of your lifestyle for one reason or another, if you're just not walking the walk, in a helpful way that's going to nurture this person's faith. What Jesus is saying is it's better off if you weren't even born. What Paul is saying is pay attention to your witness because there's people around you that are impressionable, that are young in their faith, that are searching, that you have an impact on, that they are studying your life. They're trying to figure out, should I even examine this Christian faith 
or what is the Christian faith or what does it look like to be a believer? And you are the one that's showing them. You're the one that's teaching them. And so out of love, out of sensitivity, you need to model for them what it means to be a Christian. It is about your witness. That's what Paul's talking about. Now, sidebar on this, we are not trying to please or impress people. That is not why we do what we do. Jesus did not live to impress or please people. You could get into so much trouble trying to do that. That's not the point. You try to please the Lord and follow His way and His will and love people. Big difference. Big difference. So many people today are trying to please the world and please the world's way and please everybody around them or impress people. That's not it. That's not what Jesus says to do. It's not what Paul is saying to do. He's saying, pay attention to your witness. Pay attention to how you live before the world. Because as a Christian, people are studying you as to what it means. Particularly people that are impressionable. So he starts off by talking about this necessary knowledge. And he uses this wonderful phrase of saying, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It's a different kind of knowledge. He refers to it as necessary knowledge. What's he talking about? Well, the knowledge that puffs up, again, let's go back to the two different realms that we're talking about. The realm of Judaism and the realm of the Gentile world. The realm of Judaism, you've got maybe the Jews or some Jewish believers called the Judaizers, who it is all about law. It's all about legalism. It's all about you've got to live this holy life. And you judge other people. You're even mean to other people if they're not living that life. And we know some people in the church that are like that. That you have the knowledge. Jesus talked about how the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had the knowledge. But how they practiced it, how they lived out their life with the faith, actually pushed people away from the faith. And that's not helpful. Even if you have the knowledge. So it's not just about getting it right. Or let's talk about the other realm, the Gentile world. The knowledge that puffs up. The secular humanism of today that you Christians are just ignorant people. You just don't know any better. You really believe God created everything? How dumb are you? You really believe Jesus was God and walked the face of the earth? Died on a cross and rose again? That kind of thing doesn't happen. That's knowledge that puffs up. That's pride. That is not an openness to God's revelation of himself and the power of the Holy Spirit. So you've got these two realms of arrogance, of pride, of knowledge that puffs up. The necessary knowledge that Paul's talking about here is the knowledge of the gospel. 
that God has broken into this world. That he loves us so much. That he constantly tries to reach us with a revelation of himself in his word, in the word incarnate Jesus Christ, who died on a cross in our place for our sin and rose again to show he has power over sin and death. It's the faith that we see even in the Old Testament. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 5. God gives the Ten Commandments. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, right after that, he says the greatest commandment, the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, the commandments, how they're really applied to our lives, is with the love of God if you really understand it. That's how they're applied. That his revelation hasn't changed. It's holiness of life combined with his love. And that's what we're to take into the world. That's the necessary knowledge. That's what Jesus lived and died for. And brought to the world. That we are to bring to the world. That's the necessary knowledge. Not the knowledge that puffs up, but the knowledge that builds up. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John chapter 14. That's bringing the two together. You love the Lord and you live his commandments. You live that holy life. By the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. So you've got to know his word. But you've got to live with his love. And that takes the Holy Spirit. So now, with that in mind, let's talk about this food offered to idols that Paul talks about as an illustration. First of all, you need to understand what he's talking about. When you take food offered to idols, okay, which even the, the Jews in the Old Testament, there's various kinds of offerings that you would take food to God, Le- Leviticus. So the Jews and the Gentiles would both be comfortable with this illustration. They would understand what he's talking about. But for the Gentile to take food to an idol, the food would basically sit there for a little bit. They would say some kind of prayers. It would be offered to the idol, and then it would be sold. Used food at a discount rate. None of the food is gone. You know, it's as if the idol partook of the food, whatever. And then you get a discounted rate on the food, and then you got a deal. It's like, you know, you've got the, the good meat section in the, in the grocery store, and then you've got the discounted meat section. This would be the discounted meat section. The food's out there for a half an hour, an hour. So it's used. And those who were in the know, who had the knowledge, would say, well, why would I pay full price for the meat when this is just as good? No idol really did anything because there's no such thing as an idol. We know that if we're believers. So why not get the discounted meat? It's a no-brainer. Except... For the person who was wrestling with whether whether to believe in Christ, to watch the life of a Christian, would say, do Christians also believe in idols? Because they're going into the place of idols as well. The Jews who were wrestling with whether to become Christians would say, You can't possibly go to the temple of an idol and believe. 
And the children that would accompany the parents that go in there said, you can't be doing this. You can't expose your child to both and say, it doesn't matter where you go. And so the appearance would be a compromised faith. The appearance would be that you're worshiping in two places. And so the appearance for someone who was wrestling with faith, for someone who was searching for a child is a confused message. And Paul's saying, for the sake of expediency and saving some money, don't compromise your witness. And how many people compromise their witness for the sake of expediency? They make up their own rules. They make a deal with God. God will understand. God will forgive me. It doesn't matter how I appear to the world. It does. Jesus never chose expediency. One of my favorite examples of that is when he's hanging on the cross and he's the opportunity to call down legions of angels, which he could have done. Scripture talks about it. You know, that miracle would have had great wow factor to it, by the way. Know what I mean by wow factor? I mean, he could have called down legions of angels, rescued him from the cross, obliterated his enemies, and he would have looked like, wow! The problem. He wouldn't have died on the cross in our place for our sin. And the penalty for sin would still be there. He had to die on a cross for our sin. And then rise again to show he has power over sin and death. And so he had to pay the price. He had to be humiliated. He had to swallow his ability to obliterate his enemy. He had to die and suffer for our sake. He didn't choose expediency, the easy way out. And when we choose the easy way out because we say, it's okay. God and I have an understanding. Other people don't have to understand. And we compromise our witness. Jesus says that's not the way. That's not the way to love God and that's not the way to love other people. We have to learn how to become more effective in our walk with the Lord and our love for others. That's what he's saying. And so he says, don't, don't buy the cheap meat. The challenge is don't, don't see others fall. Don't take your witness lightly. Don't force others with your mentality to say, deal with it. This is your problem, not my problem. God and I have an understanding. I can do what I want. I know better. To put idols in the way, whatever those idols are of the world, that the world says, it's okay to do that. And you look like the rest of the world in your witness.
What is God's way? What does it mean really to love him and thereby love other people by your witness? That's the question. See, now there are times when we walk with the Lord that the world won't understand. Jesus said, they'll reject you because they rejected me first. They'll hate you because they hated me first. There are times that's going to happen. Even when we love the Lord with the whole of our hearts and we're trying to love other people. Not because we're being mean or judgmental. We are just walking the walk and sharing the gospel. But there are times that we are the problem with our witness. Because we're obnoxious. Or we're disobedient. Or we don't care. About the Lord or other people. Because we want to do what we want to do. Let me give you two examples. I don't know how many of you saw the front page of the packet on Monday. I don't know how many of you take the packet. These days with delivery problems, I don't know how many of you are getting the packet. But on the front page of the packet on Monday, there was a great article. In fact, not only was the article great, but the first part of the article, it was like, I loved it. Let me tell you what it was. These eight laws may surprise drivers. Did anybody see that? Here's the first one. Slower traffic to the right. I was going, yes! Man, that is my pet peeve. Do you know, I don't know if you know this, If you travel in the left lane and you're not passing anybody, you could get a fine of $155 and two points. Did you know that? I want to make citizen arrests. I want to do that. Now, I have to confess that I'm not always the best witness. I don't honk. I don't scream. I don't flip the bird. But I sometimes get a little close. And then I sometimes shoot around the driver. I have to confess. And that's why I don't have a fish on my car. (laughs) It's the truth. Someday I will get grips on that. Maybe when I retire or semi-retire. I don't know. I don't have grips on it yet, so I don't have a fish on my car. But I have to tell you something, and this, is, this isn't this an involved story, so hang with me. Because I was very, very conscious of being a witness to one in particular that was impressionable, but it ended up spreading out in terms of its witness. My two boys have been after me literally for years to get a new TV. Because, you know, my, my feeling is if you can see it and it has good content and it's reasonable and, and you see what you want, what's the difference, you know? But they said, Dad, you've got to get a real TV. 
I said, what's a real TV? My one son has like a 60-inch, and the other one has like a 70-inch or something like that. I mean, you know, high def and all this stuff. So Black, Black Week, you know, leading up to Black Friday this year, I decided I would at least look. I'd break down and at least look. So I went online, and I started looking at these different TVs on Monday. Left here after church on, on Sunday and went south, uh, married a sister and husband, then to our son and his wife. But Monday we started off, and I start looking, and I found this um, high-def, 2160 uh, pixels, 4K, voice control, 50-inch uh, Samsung, $427. So I called my son up and said, is that a good deal? He said, that is great. you got to get it. So I said, okay. I broke down. I said, it'll be here for the holidays. You're going to help me put it up. He said, okay, it's a deal. So, anyway, ordered the TV, got the little thing that says tracking, you know, it will arrive on Friday. Well, we're not getting back till Sunday. So I called Keith Tillman up, and I said, Keith, can you get the TV inside for me? Gave him the code for our garage. He, he said, no problem. So I get that notice on, on Tuesday. Wednesday, I get another notice. Your TV is going to arrive on Monday. So I told Keith, it might not be there on Friday. I said, can you check for me? He said, no problem. I'll just stop on my way home from work. So Keith calls me. He says, it's there. I put it in your house. It's all taken care of. Great. We get home on Sunday. Monday, I come home from work in the evening. There's another TV there. <laughs> it's a different size. I don't know which is which because I'm not going to open the boxes. Told them I'm not going to open the boxes until my son gets here. So I look at the tracking number, thinking maybe they screwed up. So I looked at the name and the tracking number. Same name, same tracking number. So I called Best Buy on Tuesday. And I said, I need to ask you a question. They said, no, you only got one TV delivered. That's what they told me. I said, no, I'm looking at two TVs. Well, what did you get? I said, I don't know. I didn't open the boxes. They said, could you tell me what you got? So I opened the boxes, told them what I got. And they said, we don't have a record of that. And I said, well, what should I do? And they said, can you mail one back to us? I said, I'm not doing that. Pay for a TV to go through the mail? You know how much shipping and handling costs me? I said, I'm not doing that. And they said, well, would you take it to the Best Buy? And I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go to the Best Buy, and I'm going to ask him to show me in the computer how he's going to re-enter it into the computer. I'm going to talk to the guy. So I figured the next time I had the time out in Bluffton, go to the Best Buy. So that happened this week. Okay? My son and I put up the 50-inch TV. I found out the other TV was 43 inches. Okay? Same, everything else is same, just smaller. So I go out to Bluffton this week, and I, go to, I ask for the manager. I got the manager. And he was immediately not nice. And I told my son I was going to go do that. And he said, Dad, don't do that. They told you they don't have a record of it. Just keep it. And I said, I can't do that. <laughs> I said, I can't do that. So I go out to Bluffton and, you know. So I talked to the manager and the manager said, you need to bring that to me. That's my TV. I mean, he wasn't even nice about it. And I was trying to be honest. I had my collar on. 
So I said to the guy, I said, can you show me in your computer that this TV exists and how you're going to put it back in the computer? He said, no, that's my TV. I'm telling you, we deliver those. And I said, well, the woman told me that it was sent and the tracking looked like it was sent from somewhere else. I'm not sure it's your TV. And I said, I'm not giving it to you until you show me how you're going to enter it back in because I'm going to give it to you. And if it doesn't exist, someone here is just going to take it. And I'd rather keep it or give it away. So he said, well, I'll show you. He was still not nice. And I'm telling him I'm going to give it to him if it's his. So he looks in his computer. He said, can you wait a minute? I've got to call the warehouse. Calls the warehouse. Can you get me the model number on that TV? I said, I don't have it with me. I'd have to call you from home. He said, I would appreciate it if you'd call me. Ooh, the tune is changing. I said, if you don't have this model number, do I get to keep it? And he said, absolutely. So I went home, got the model number, called him. He said, you got yourself a free TV. So I called my son, and I said, Aaron, honesty pays off. I said, I got a free TV. He said, Dad, you were honest before when you called the first time. He's still impressionable. He's still watching. And the manager saw something as well. I didn't react to his obnoxiousness. And I was persistent even when I didn't even have to go in the first place. Now, that was my own need, I have to tell you. I couldn't keep a free TV with a clear conscience. Now I can. <laughs> huh? Well, no, that one's going upstairs, and then I'm going to give away the one that used to be in the family room. So I just got to figure out what to do with it. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, someone need a TV, let me know. It's old, but it works. <laughs> anyway, the long and the short of it is we just need to be a witness. Not only in what we do, but how, how we handle what we do and what I'm sure of as people are watching. My son is still learning what it means. This guy, I don't know that I planted a seed at all with this guy. I might have. But that's the goal. And the question is, is that we have the opportunity every day to ask ourselves, is what I'm doing a reflection of loving God and seeking to glorify Him? Is what I'm doing a blessing to other people? Am I seeking to love other people? Am I seeking to be a witness for Jesus Christ in the gospel? See, that's necessary knowledge. 
And there's some here who have never really come to that place of even asking him into their lives. And some here never ask those questions. And see, what's necessary is that kind of knowledge. Knowing him as Savior and Lord. Knowing his challenge of loving him and seeking to walk with him constantly. My challenge to you today is to pay attention to his call on your life and what your witness is like. The necessary knowledge. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes we read scriptures like Paul wrote to the Corinthians and meat sacrificed idols and it makes no sense. But the challenge then is still the challenge today. The principle then is still the principle today. To have that necessary knowledge of loving you and walking in holiness of life and being your witness in the world. Lord, the temptations out there today, especially today, to compromise, to live for ourselves, and not to die to self, are manifold. The temptation to do our own thing and and not even be conscious of our witness to those who are impressionable, to those who are searching, to those who are reading us as what it means to be a Christian. Lord, help us first and foremost to know you as Savior and Lord in our heart of hearts, to give our lives wholly and completely to you, and to seek that, that life, to live that life of necessary knowledge. Lord, cause us to be your witness this day and every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.